This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss their random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Hey everybody, just before this episode starts... We need to discuss a couple things here. Logan, Utah is getting its first Paracon. It's going to be on October 8th. Location and other details are to be announced. But as it sits right now, my group, Bear River Paranormal, will have a booth there. And I was also asked by the founder of the Paracon that's going to be hosted here in Logan to be a special speaker at this event. So if you would like to come and see me speak or come and see our booth, we will have all of our information posted up on our website and we'll also have information posted up on every single episode leading up to October 8th and then we will go from there. Just an FYI, I will be adding in EVP evidence periodically in this episode. Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to us. My name is Shane. And I'm David. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about equipment and where to buy them, what to look out for, stuff like that. Now, anybody that's wanting to get into the paranormal or has been in the paranormal for quite some time and just took a break and want to get back into it, things have changed. Now, from when I started in the paranormal 10 years ago to now there's a lot more variety a lot more websites selling paranormal equipment stuff like that back then when i started there was really only like a handful of websites that you can buy equipment and that's if you were not able to find them on amazon or ebay now some of these websites have been around for quite some time like ghost stop uh, ghost augustine which is ghosthunterstore.com then there's some of the newer ones that are coming in that came onto the market now we are sponsored by Ghostlight Ghostlight has been our go-to for infrared, UV, professional lights for any tests that we have in the paranormal they're newer than some of the other companies that have been out like Phantom Light as an example but the quality isn't the same. Phantom light, you know, it's your basic run-of-the-mill light. If you have a camera that does tunnel vision, that that's your go-to light. But if you need something that caters to your small cameras, like action cameras, GoPros, stuff like that, then we can then we can refer you to our sponsor, which he custom makes everything. All of his cases are uh, 3D printed. He spends the time to 
put it all together, source out the best possible pieces for your light, and they last forever. Some of the lights that I've had, I've had for six years now, and they're still running strong. My other lights have been three, four years, and those are running strong as well. David has a slew of lights from him as well. But that, but it's not just the light aspect. There's also other equipment as well. Now, when I first started, there wasn't really much of an option outside of some of the more brand names that were out there. And you can buy the equipment off of their websites and everything like that. Now, YouTube, not YouTube, uh, eBay actually had a good section of other paranormal groups that made paranormal equipment. In fact, some of my equipment I actually bought off of eBay, like my, um, like there, there's these, um, it's this piece of equipment that literally just snaps onto the top of a nine volt battery and you just set it on the counter and you just put a camera onto it. And if a spirit comes by it, it sets it off because it's, it senses the static electricity and stuff like that. And then I also had an EM pump as well that I got off of eBay. I know quite a few other people that have gotten equipment off of eBay. Hell, we've even sold some of our equipment off of eBay. So, I mean, eBay was a great resource if you wanted to find something cheap and that would actually work versus spending a pretty coin on something that everybody else has. Now, not to say that we're trying to be different from everybody else, but we like to dabble around in different pieces of equipment, hence why David and I have quite a wide variety of equipment that we could use on an investigation if need be. Now, David, when you started in this field, what websites were you frequenting the most when ordering your equipment? Uh, go stop. That is by far the biggest thing that uh, I've gotten uh, my paranormal equipment from. But when it comes to my filming stuff that I have, uh, I use Amazon for all my uh, filming needs that I have where mm -hmm. via, via my camera or uh, just uh, my backpack that holds my camera, which is a beautiful thing, by the way. I'm very glad I invested. I look weird when I have it on because it's a backpack and it's got this little bar that comes up and over in front of me and it's got a string and it. It just takes the weight of uh, the camera rig that I have, but it's a lifesaver because my camera rigs, are, they get so heavy now holding it up with my arm and then I can steady it too so it's I don't have to hold it I just kind of have to rotate it but yeah I look I look like a freaking clown wearing it but I very much glad I have it but very Amazon um I did buy stuff through um digital dowsing uh, obviously mm -hmm. uh when I got my, the ovulus and the SLS stuff um but really they don't have a big selection so it's just it's just the two things really anything else uh, oh, I also did get, uh, what is that thing called? Where it's got like the, the REM function that, like three words. RFM, REM. I don't Something remember. Something like that. Don't remember for the life of me. Uh, and then I did get a puck, the paranormal puck, but I did not like the puck. Um, I didn't really like how it worked. It felt too, too random. You know, it really wasn't what I was expecting. You know, mm -hmm. if you know what the puck is, yeah, you, uh, 
you type in a question on whatever device you're hooked up to, tablet, phone, whatever, and then it's supposedly you get a, a response back to your typed question. But I just found that really nothing I typed in, I was getting an actual response back to what I asked. Mm-hmm. Whether I it's just from the typed or someone asks the question aloud. Mm-hmm. So I... It was an interesting gimmick, I'll tell you that much, to use it. I mean, I did like using it um, for the environmental scans that it did. Um, it would go through and it would actually, you know, it would go through every little type of thing that changed these light sensors and stuff like that. So, like, if you're in a room and the puck's in there and someone turns the light on, it will tell me that there's a influctuation in a light that, you know, it, it gathered that there was a huge light mm-hmm. in the air at that time. But I don't think I've really used any other website. Uh, I know Ghost Hunters by Augustine um, is primarily where a majority of your stuff comes from. Uh, But I haven't gotten anything off them. I have been debating getting the portal, Mm -hmm. but I just don't can't justify the amount of money right now for it. Um, Pretty much any time ghost stop comes out with something new i instantly get it because i have to test it out Mm -hmm. that's primarily where i send the majority of people who are wanting equipment to um because in all honesty their stuff's not bad they occasionally come out with stuff that's like yeah it's not really worth it i wouldn't recommend it for people um like the s box like the s box um well they did they had a pyramid that was motion censored that i love but then they did a, a second version of it, and it was kind of not what I wanted them to do. They like they made an interesting concept on it, which uh, instead of a button, it was a lever, and it has different us uh, uh, ranges for the amount of motion it detected. But it, it made a constant noise, and we found out that it's not good for a constant noise because it interferes with our you know digital and audio stuff you can't you're just constantly hearing a noise and i'm like well i don't like that i want it to be silent and then then make the noise when something comes in contact not a constant noise and then just a variation of noise when something's in contact with it so that was kind of a a letdown when they came out with the second one um but then they have a 360 motion uh which is good um but i find that the the battery life on it is awful i could charge it to full charge and then not use it for a day and then the next day go to use it and it won't turn on it like has a, a draining even when it's off it drains its battery so that's something that uh, i would say needs to be revised um in what they're doing with that mm-hmm. but for, I, we did use it for one investigation so far um and i think it was actually really uh really good I th- we got some some evidence out of it so I would like to use it again in the future and then to solve my problem for uh, its potential battery life not being good uh, because I used it the entire night and it didn't die so I just couldn't figure out why it would die when I don't use it but I brought a a battery uh, bank back up to plug it in in case it did die during the night but I never had to use it oh okay but yeah I don't I'm sure there's tons of people who build their own stuff. I know there's uh, one person specifically locally here in Utah that she makes her own stuff. 
Um, and then I know there's another person I think who makes SLSs as well, uh, separate. Um, I don't know if you want to shout them out or not, Shane. That's up to you. But uh, I just know that they do make uh, equipment. Yeah. So it's Fatima who makes the off-brand SLS. Now, there's quite a bit of other groups out there that make their own version of the SLS. I do believe I saw listings for people over in uh, Australia, Britain, UK, UK, here, you know, stuff like that. But someone that's local to us, her name is Fatima, and she actually makes a lot of equipment, and then she also partners up with her best friend or boyfriend or whatever over in the UK which I actually got a cute little uh, unicorn that uh, is basically got converted over into a REM pod, essentially, so that way we can use it for children and other spirits. Now, I also just bought a, another new piece of equipment uh, called the Crypto Cords. So, essentially, if you've ever seen the music boxes... Um, like the wooden one or the Paraforce one or anything like that. I have the wooden one. I don't have the the cheaper version. I have the nice wooden one. Essentially, it has a infrared beam that shoots out for about five to six feet. And if something breaks that field, then it starts playing music. It's really good to set in like a hallway or or anything like that or if you have a trigger object you could set it in front of that and see if it trips it and stuff like that now this other one i actually got it customized for my group so i got it uh, with our group logo on it and it's going to be playing the x-files theme when something breaks the field but it's essentially it's the same concept It shoots an infrared beam, but this one's like, it said upwards of 15 feet or 12 feet or something like that. Pretty cool, but it's called Vortex Ghost Gear. They have quite a bit of uh, equipment there, to be honest with you. I mean, they have anything from geophones to point of view cameras, V-pods. But if you haven't seen a V-pod, that's basically the off-brand of a REM pod. Same thing, same thing like Paraforce and some of the other ones. You can buy trigger objects like a cat or a dog, a static dome, night vision lights, easy scan ghost box, stuff like that. Now, when I started, this kind of stuff wasn't available to me. Um, like I said before, Ghost Stop, Ghost Hunters Equipment, eBay, Amazon. That was basically it besides some of the other names like Steve Huff. Some of the stuff that David's got, like where he got his SLS, that's also been out for quite some time as well. But now some of these grassroots companies are starting to pop up, like the one that I was just talking about where I'm getting this new piece of equipment. In fact, like I was just talking about my unicorn, that came all the way from the UK. There's Fatima, who can make me an SLS whenever I want to, or she'll send me over the resources to make my own, because... She even priced it out. She said it was around $350 to build one. And really, that's not a bad price, especially when you're going to get a authentic SLS and you're spending upwards to $1,200 to $1,400 like David did. It's still a stellar piece of equipment, but it does have its flaws. But I like the way that Fatima made hers. Now, there's also some other unconventional type equipment that you can also purchase as well. 
I have this one particular doll that everybody hates, but I think it's a really good piece of equipment, and it's a doll that rocks back and forth, and it looks demonic and stuff like that. I don't know. It's It was a Halloween prop, essentially. That's all it is. It's a Halloween prop. It has a light sensor on it, so if you walk by it, it sets it off. So really wasn't that we're really wasn't that bad of a piece of equipment to use now i also bought some cat toys just a few weeks ago off of amazon it's those little uh plastic ones that have the red and blue leds and if you if it moves it lights off other people have had great success with them we're going to be trying it out really for 11 dollars for three cat toys i mean that really wasn't bad i mean i'm not going to cry over 11 bucks if it doesn't work you know but most of my other stuff has either come from Ghost Stop or Ghost Hunters Equipment. Obviously, our sponsor, Ghost Light. Uh, we've gotten lights from him as well. And then we've also bought Private Cell as well. I, we bought equipment off of other groups. We've sold equipment to other groups. I've bought things off of eBay. Realistically speaking, now is the time to buy equipment because there is literally a plethora of places to get equipment. Unlike when I first started, I know I keep referencing that, but I'm just trying to get the point across that when I started, there wasn't many. Now, there's a literal shit ton. And they could be selling their stuff off of Facebook. That's where some of the other places that I've seen uh, selling, selling their equipment. They have their own group pages, stuff like that. There's still people that sell them on eBay. I'm starting to see some equipment on Amazon, like sb7 digital recorders which realistically speaking if you're first time in this field and you need the basic equipment to get started amazon's going to be your go-to because you can still buy a k2 on there you can still buy an sb7 you can still buy a digital recorder digital cameras night vision cameras lights stuff like that and then once you start progressing then you can start visiting these other websites that specialize in equipment now like i've mentioned in other episodes it's not cheap you are paying a premium for it now unless you're crafty and technically savvy you can build your own if you absolutely want to you know time materials stuff like that you know if you want to sit down and do that that and have that be your own jam you're more than welcome to do so but for most people, it's just a lot easier to buy it because, you know, most of us don't have 3D printers or a garage that is chuck full of electrical equipment to do soldering and put things together and all that good jazz. And really, a lot of people don't like to do that kind of stuff anyway, so that's why we have such a plethora of people that are willing to just buy the equipment, hence why there's people that are willing to create them and put them out, you know? Yeah, there's there's a few um, places. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, this one I was it's, I had it saved on Facebook. Uh, it's called Ghost Gear. Um, I've heard of them too. I'm gonna potentially try them. They have an EMF lantern. I know that's been a popular thing that's popping up. Um, and then uh, a REM puck that I want to eventually try. But the, th- the problem is with most of these equipment is uh when people start making their own they end up they're ending up being roughly the same thing because really there's not too much different variations out there that's something different they all end up kind of 
being the same thing. They're just kind of making them look and be a bit different. Yeah, but they're in, putting in their the, own spin on the same thing. Yeah, but essentially all of them are essentially the same thing, especially when it comes to like EMF detectors. They all, I think, end up using the same uh, function uh, mm-hmm. when being de- detecting things you know they just they just look different you know so just kind of keep that in mind but some of them i do want to get to try just to see if there's a difference to them and obviously they look different from what i have so it's nice to have a variation Mm -hmm. and then you know you can just have multiple ones so you can put one up in front of each camera that we have you know and i don't want to have the same you know k2 in front of each camera i want a k2 here i want a edi here and i want something else here i mean they detect the same thing but they're a little bit different you know what i mean yeah yeah, and then there's the people that come out with uh, different products that no one has ever seen before, like Jay Prather, for example, which uh, we'll talk about his particular piece of equipment later in this episode. But he makes some really awesome piece of equipment that's been shown on several nationwide TV shows. He's widely known in the paranormal to a point. Obviously, he's not as popular as Steve Huff or some of the other ones that are out there but nonetheless he's brought out some stellar pieces of equipment some of the grassroots like him I love to support like the the vortex place that I that I'm getting my box from I would love to to support them as well because they they essentially they took something that's already been on the, on the market and they made it better you know like if I could customize the music on my nice expensive wooden music box that I have that would make it even much better you know but can't really complain about it because it's 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 really nice I mean I think I paid like 250 300 dollars for this piece of equipment I mean it's not cheap but it works well you know it's the same thing with other things like a couple episodes ago when we were talking about the REM pod there's so many flavors of the REM pod. You could throw a stone out in the field and you would hit a variation of it. You know what I mean? From the original, from the original creator to V-Pods, Paraphors, a teddy bear, a unicorn, stuff Your like that. Your little uh, batteried ones where you just put them on the end of a 9-volt and you know, mm-hmm. they light up. That's like the simplest one you can get. Mm-hmm. And you go for the, the most big one that everyone knows is like the round bodied one where they got the four lights and the big antenna on you know that's mm-hmm. like the main one that everyone knows and then yeah you got because essentially again they're all the same they just look slightly different mm-hmm. but yet we've had two REM pods that are different in the same room and one went off versus the other one yeah so there's got to be a type of difference between the two that why one went off versus the other one yeah and one could be more sensitive than the other I do know the REM pod that I have is not as sensitive as my Paraforce one that I have. And it and the teddy bear is not as sensitive as the REM pod. If you if you get what I'm saying, you know, it's each variation differs slightly under the same concept. So each person's user experience is going to be different from another person which we completely get. But ultimately, what we wanted to bring you guys is to let you know that there are options. There are a ton of options out there. Whether you want to support grassroots or if you want to support someone that's been established in the field for 10 plus years. 
completely up to you. But I'm just saying, now is the time to start shopping. You can price you can price out the equipment that you're thinking about have thinking about getting, and then go look for the variations of it. And if the variation is cheaper, go for that one. Or if you want to go for the more expensive one, you know, you can essentially do price matching for the same piece of equipment, quote unquote. Now. Some of these other people that just create their own equipment and they don't sell them, you know, more power to you. If you have the time and the energy and the money to do it, you know, that that's stellar, you know. But also it'd be nice to see some equipment that could be out on the market too so other people can also experience it and play around with it and test it as well. Because it's hard to say that, oh, this piece of equipment is great but I've never tested it before I've never seen anybody else use it as well. So I can't really say that it's a good piece of equipment. Wouldn't you agree, David? Yeah, really, when it comes to the majority of the equipment, uh, physically, I can usually uh, have some experience with it. The really only uh, pieces of equipment that some people use that uh, I don't have a lot of experience with is because I don't want to use it would be uh, apps on, on people's phones and stuff. And yeah. The app store and all that stuff. I mean... I'm sure if I played with some of them, I could potentially come up with the conclusion whether or not uh, I like it or not. But just for my safety rule of thumb, I just don't trust apps enough to want to even test them. Exactly. Now, there are some apps that we use for our equipment. So, for example, my cameras, I can connect to them via Wi-Fi and view what the camera is seeing through an app. That's one example of... Uh, an acceptable app to use. Uh, David's Puck uses an app to communicate between the Puck and the tablet or the phone or whatever you're using at that time, which is completely acceptable. But when these people go out there and base solely their whole entire investigation on using like the Echo Box or the Demon Box or whatever fucking app is out there on uh, Apple or Google Marketplace or whatever, you know, honestly, it's that's just the cheap and fake thing to do while doing investigation now. We have our opinions on apps. I think they're completely bogus. I've watched way too many YouTube videos of people picking apart apps and basically proving how they're false and they don't work and they basically give you uh, false positives when it comes to evidence and everything like that that's why we stick to using just equipment because that's what it was created for now uh, it's been some time ago but i actually got into a argument on facebook how ironic is that to some guy over in great britain saying that the equipment that's out on the market right now for paranormal investigations are all fake, blah, 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 and that they're not scientifically driven, blah, 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 blah. Basically, this guy was just a shit poster. And I basically proved him wrong and to the point where he blocked me on Facebook, if I remember correctly. But you know, people like that, they don't have any room in the paranormal. And when it comes to equipment, I'd just rather use a physical piece of equipment than use my phone all night. I mean, it's just... If you can't fork over the money to get a halfway decent digital recorder or a camera or something, you have to rely on your phone, you probably shouldn't be doing investigations, personally. And if all you're using are phone apps, 
you really shouldn't be in the invest in the uh, paranormal in general because honestly phone apps are just a gimmick they're entertainment purpose only and that's the disclaimer on every single app that's out there entertainment purpose only it's not a scientific piece of equipment it's not something that you would measure scientifically for paranormal or anything like that it is just for entertainment so I don't right. know why these people keep on using apps and saying oh hey I have evidence of paranormal activity here well you no, know, you're only using your app and you're using some some gimmick you know what I mean it's not real an example is uh, people who do uh, ghost detectors, right? Mm-hmm. So our meters have built-in sensors that are able to potentially detect uh, changes in the atmosphere. Your phone isn't built like that. So how is installing an app on your phone somehow make where your phone can detect something? Exactly. Your phone's still your phone. The app's just going to tell you, oh, look, there's a ghost over there when it, it has no way of actually knowing. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to those, I think they're completely bogus. Now, the ones that are like uh, voice scramblers and stuff, that's up to interpretation whether or not they work. If you have other pieces of equipment that can help validate what you're hearing, that's obviously a lot better. Because mm-hmm. who knows? Because you know, we're using radio frequencies, so how the spirit can potentially uh, interact with uh, voices that are coming through your phone that's a potential because i know there are cases where uh people have gotten texts from other people saying stuff but the person never sent the text you know so spirits can obviously influence electronic devices that's that's a fact that's because that's things that it's a tangible thing but your phone's not going to be able to detect because of an app that there's a spirit nearby that's that's completely a uh, bogus in my mind but yeah so everything that are involved with apps uh, you also have to be careful too because whoever creates it they are coding it with stuff so there's a potential for them to update something that makes it voices come through you know yep yeah and to touch back to what David said I mean in the history of the paranormal spirits are known to mess with phones mess with cell phones, mess with TVs, mess with any other electrical piece of equipment. That's a given. But the fact that these apps are human-made and human-caused to do these types of things doesn't make it evidence. Now, for all my viewers out there, I challenge you guys to go and download an app, pay for the app, and put it on your phone. Go get yourself an and with your phone on an investigation, have your phone there playing that app. Right next to it, I want you to have an SB7 with a speaker playing in tandem with an Ovulus 5 or an Ovulus 3 or whatever Ovulus device that you have next to that on dictionary mode. And I want to see what piece of equipment came up with what evidence tangible evidence so if you ask a question and you get a response an actual intelligent response is it going to be on a phone app is it going to be on an sb7 or an sb11 which whichever one you have or an obvious five or whichever flavor you have and report back to us and see what you find record it we want to hear it you know because obviously we're biased we're techies and in this day and age, everybody posts everything on the internet. So obviously, every single paranormal app that's been out on the on the 
market has been debunked as fake. So I want you to use the phone app and use other pieces of equipment and see which one actually comes up with tangible evidence. Now, here's, here's the thing though. I want you to make sure that data is off on your phone. I want to make sure mobile data is off on your phone and Wi-Fi. I want you to turn your microphone off and I want you to turn your camera off on this particular app. Do not allow this app to have access to anything on your phone for it to run. And I want to see if it comes up with tangible evidence because I bet you it is not going to. But I digress. If you can come up with an app that actually proves to have evidence, that can come up with tangible evidence to the questions that you're asking, we'll look into it. But outside of that, you'll never see us use applications on investigations whatsoever. We will use physical equipment that we spend our hard-earned money on to do these investigations, hence why they are tended for that. Not just pull out a phone app and claim that you're a paranormal investigator and, oh, look at me, I got evidence, you know? That's the one thing that drives me nuts about this paranormal field is the fact that everybody resorts to phone apps instead of actually using equipment. If you can't afford the equipment, don't be in the paranormal. Yeah, because we end up seeing a lot of people that are using their phones and they're people that really don't know what they're doing. Because it's one thing to have a, a paranormal investigator who has experience trying to use the phone apps, because obviously they're trying to use everything in their disposal to see what works. But if you just have someone who has no experience and all they're relying on is a phone app, then they're, they don't know that that is true or not. They're just taking for what's in front of them and taking it as fact rather mm -hmm. than trying to question everything because we've run into so many people. What's the latest app that people are using where it like takes them to a destination or something? Yeah, something like that. Show, yeah, like, I don't remember what it is. I think Diana was mostly t talking about it. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, you, you do something with it and it takes you to a destination or something or it wants you to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. I think it's also been a thing on TikTok that I've uh, people are, are, are doing it more mm -hmm. often. But it's just, it's hard because you can't, really use that as proof yeah agreed so at the end of the day the biggest thing that we're trying to get you guys to realize is there's a plethora of paranormal equipment out there on the market that we want to see tangible groups and good investigators go and buy and improve this field as much as possible and Honestly, I think uh, David and I, what we'll do is we'll put together a list of every single website or group that sells equipment, and we'll post that on the Facebook page and on the group page, which by the way, if you didn't realize this, we do have a Facebook page. If you look up BRP Podcast or Bear River Paranormal Podcast, you will find it. And also the link is in the description of each and every episode. We also have a group as well that we would like all of our fans to join in on so that way we can get discussions going, people post up their evidence, get their honest opinion, question and questions and answers, stuff like that. But what we're going to do is we'll create a list of all the websites and all the places that you can go buy paranormal equipment and we'll release it out to you guys so that way you guys are well informed on where you can go buy equipment, you can go and do price matching or stuff like that or research your equipment that you want to purchase. And outside of that, I mean, like I said before, it is an expensive niche. 
Like, you can go buy a regular run-of-the-mill action camera, but to go buy one that's specially made for paranormal investigations, it's going to be double the price, unless you know exactly what to do to convert a normal action camera to a full spectrum, which there are videos on YouTube to do that as well. Which, in this day and age, if you Google something, you can find something, you know? Even if Google doesn't come up with anything, you could try Bing, you could try Yahoo, you could try um, DuckDuckGo, you can go to quite a few other different places to find your resources if need be. But that's going to do it for our topic today. David, did you want to add anything else before we move on? Um, I know you and I have been wanting to potentially start making our own piece of equipment that we've been uh, playing around with the idea of um, the biggest thing with that is uh, functionality and someone who has a 3D printer which I know mm-hmm. I, I do have a friend who does have a 3D printer mm-hmm. um, I just we, we haven't landed on a, a specific what to do and how to do it but I know we've been yeah. wanting to make our own piece of equipment for a while now yeah, because I, cause I want to try to make a light or a couple lights and test them out in the field. Now, I have the infrared LEDs. I actually have a shit ton of those. And I have the resistors needed, and I have the 9-volt battery snaps. Don't know if I'm going to need anything else. So, essentially, we just need to sit down and figure out a rendering of a case that we can do 3D printed. And then we could start building it that way and then testing it and see how it works. Yeah. Now, I'll and I, have I to, wanted to do a, a, an EMF detector. That was one yeah. of the things I wanted to create as well. Yeah. So I think uh, once we can sit down and do a couple of renderings of both, and then I just need to double check and make sure that those were the right resistors to use to use the, the IR LEDs and series and everything just to make sure that I have all my ducks in a row because I want to try to not to rip off anybody else or anything like that but you know running these lights off a 9 volt it's great but it doesn't last long now some of the other uh, manufacturers that we've gotten lights from particularly our sponsor he uses dual 9 volts and they last forever they last longer than anything that uses double A's or triple A's or anything like that or even just one 9 volt or even his plug-in series yeah which that's an awesome feature about his lights as well like some of the 170 degree ones that I have uh, viewing angle those actually have an AC outlet on them so you could just plug in a power to it and plug it into an outlet and it will run as long as you need it to which has been by far the best feature of that particular light because that saved us a ton of money on 9 volt batteries. I mean, you can you can essentially you can get two investigations off of a pair of 9 volt batteries with these lights, but I wouldn't push it any more than two investigations and I would probably limit it to like 3 or 4 hours of investigation, you know what I mean? Or if you're doing an all night like 8 to 10 hour investigation, those batteries will only be good for that night. But having it plugged into power, that's been a game changer. The only thing that we've been having issues with is for me remembering to bring my extension cords because some of our locations we've been to have lack thereof outlets available so we've had to compromise a few times. But outside of that, I mean it's just a simple workaround. I just need to write a note and make sure to bring power cords every time we go on an investigation. 
but it's a, it's a it's a good concept. So if we come up with something here soon and it ends up working, we could, you know, maybe get some feedback from the rest of the community, see if there's any interest or anything like that, maybe. But we'll see when that time comes. Anything else you want to add, David? No, I, I think that's it. I mean, uh, for what it's worth, like I said, the equipment is all the same. There's not much variation to it. Um, just besides looks and design quality, but they all end up uh, pretty much working the same. Um, but I think in the end that we always have to remember to going back to equipment is the best equipment is your body. Agreed. So you definitely need to hone in on your environment and your surroundings yourself and then incorporating that with the equipment. Because usually when I'm using equipment, I can tell when something's going off that I can also feel the energy. So it's not just random because sometimes it will just be random and I have mm. to think to myself, well, is something wrong? Is it just touching that? Or did you hit it on something? Because sometimes mm. I, it just went off and I'm like, oh, that's random. And then other times it's going off and I'm like, oh yeah, I can feel it. So you definitely have to remember that your body's the best piece of equipment at first and you have to acclimate yourself to the environment and then start using your equipment because mm -hmm. like i said when i film when i'm the camera guy um my senses are different i don't feel literally anything that's happening in in the investigation that uh my fellow investigators are feeling because i'm just looking at the screen and just making sure i'm capturing it i every, my whole surroundings are basically blocked off and i do not feel a thing so it's very interesting when we're doing that because we had some crazy stuff happening and i'm over here filming it filming it and i'm like yeah i'm fine while everyone's like drained or feel like they've gotten attacked i'm like yeah I i'm good <laughs> you know because i just blocked myself from being there basically i felt like i was just watching from the outside even though i was there standing there mm -hmm. yeah yeah like what david said your body is your best piece of equipment that you, you can ever have now it doesn't matter if you're sensitive or not tune in i mean use all your senses your sense of your hearing your eyesight your feeling your smell everything because when a spirit is present it is very very apparent except and for, taste don't yeah, don't go licking taste. stuff yeah don't be licking anything <laughs> that'd be kind of weird um but like, it's very apparent mm, it tastes like a spirit huh. yeah <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so use use your body first and foremost. I mean, that that is going to be your best piece of equipment that you have. And you feel like if you're in danger, uh, that's basically your body and your spirit guides telling you to get the fuck out, you know. So you really have to listen to your gut feeling when it comes to investigations as well. Well, I don't know. I think I've heard people say that when they've gotten like spiritually attacked or something, they said they can taste copper. So I guess that's a, using the taste sense. Yeah, because copper, the copper metallic taste comes from blood. So essentially, it's almost like you're tasting blood. Um, I know when I start, first started learning how to shield people, I started getting that copper taste in my mouth. Um, when I get around particular malicious or demonic entities, I start getting a copper taste in my mouth as well. Um, let alone getting that that feeling of... I should really like run right now, but I really can't because I got to take care of these people, you know. 
that's your fight or flight basically kicking in when you're in danger so, so some things you can taste and to each their own some people don't taste anything I taste things Diana tastes things a few other people taste things some people don't but it's completely up to you though so now for the location that we would like to talk about on this particular episode it is Hobbs Hollow now we've had quite a bit of history at this location we've been there a total of three times the most recent one was just a couple of weeks ago the first time we went there was about four years ago three or four years ago it was David uh, Rebecca Sally who was a previous member on this group myself Julie I think that was it right David yes that, that was it for the first time yeah uh, we got quite a bit of activity, but this was also one of those locations we did quite a bit of history, uh, research on to find the history of it. We found that a total of five to seven people drowned in this particular reservoir. Now, if you're not familiar with what Hobbs Hollow is, Hobbs Hollow is a man-made reservoir that sits literally right there in the middle of Layton, Utah. Essentially, it was a big old gully that they dammed half of it and turned it into an irrigation reservoir for the farmers and everything. And it's still maintained to that to this day, only I think it's more towards city water than anything else or secondary water or something like that. Yeah, they basically use uh, the mountain runoff because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people are, it's right by 89, the highway, uh, mm-hmm. the west, uh, like East Weber and all that. Um mm-hmm. Basically, it looks like a lot of people are building up on the mountains and stuff, so they have to have the runoff go down and fill that up because otherwise you'd have lots of mudslides and stuff on the sides of the mountains where people are mm-hmm. building their houses. Yep. So outside of that, it's a paranormal hotspot. There's, like I said before, there's been five to seven drownings there. There's been a little boy, and then the majority of the rest of them have been service members and other individuals. When we did the first investigation, we came prepared. We had names to ask for. We've had particular questions to ask and everything like that. And we essentially got what we came there to get. We got Nightingale, which was a uh, service member that perished in that reservoir, unfortunately. He came through. Andrew D. Nightingale. Nightingale? This, this, this said Gale. Gale. Nice. Very good. Nice catch. A few other ones came through. I'm pretty sure we uh, opened a line of communication with the little boy as well. We've had a plethora of evidence from that location. Charles Humphrey, are you here with us? Is that a no? Yeah, that was a no. Michael Holden, are you here with us? I think so. You already yes. Private Opie, were you African American? Who is here with us right now?
We actually got a light anomaly right over the water. Um, David had to remind me of that one a couple of weeks ago. I completely forgot we even got that. So we do have that. Because it is an orb picture, but mm. to me, I think it's different than any of the orb pictures I've seen. Because the fact that you look it up, even if you blow it up, you definitely don't see any type of bug features on it. And uh, where we're outside, you know, your dust is a little bit, you know, not as common to see. But the fact that it just it was like blue and when you zoomed, it looked like a planet. And like the edges, if I remember correctly, were like spiky. It wasn't like a perfect circle uh, on the edge. It was like it had like some spiky quality to it. And then just in the center, you had like some like indent dots and stuff. And it was like bluish and then green. It literally looked like a different planet. Yeah. So it was one of those things where when I saw that, to me, as one of my favorite uh, orb or light anomaly photos um, that we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Now, the second time that... Oh, actually, back to the first time. So... We're out in nature. Obviously, there could be other predators out there that could be hunting us, like cougars, stuff like that. Um, there has been a couple times where we thought we heard an animal or whatnot. But the biggest thing, though, was there was a growl. And i never seen Rebecca move so fast in my life. And then I hoofed it up the hill. <laughs> Left everybody in the dust. Never seen a fat man run uphill so quick in my life. Yeah. Yeah, so so fast because right. the thing about our first time there is uh, it was when the water was receded really really low. So where we were at, we were basically when the thing was full, we were we would be underwater. If that reservoir was full where we were at, we would be underwater. So we were pretty deep down in there, and that's where we think because we got a lot of our activity down there because we think we would have been where people would have been swimming and drowned. So that, that, that was the big difference when mm -hmm. we were first there. And then the second time we were there, I think the water was at its highest Yep. that we've seen it. Mm -hmm. And then our third time there, it was like right in the middle. It was like in the process of receding, but not mm -hmm. quite as low as it was the first time. So yeah. we've had basically three different type of experiences in the water level there, which are could be different experiencing stuff. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, and that's what we chalked it up to. Our first time being there, we got that much activity, but the fact that we were down, essentially where we would be completely underwater, definitely helped that as well. Plus, water is a natural energy conductor, and we had nature on top of that, which is also a natural energy conductor as well. Yep. Nature, because um, water, if you remembered us talking about uh, flowing water is a type of uh, energy source uh, mm -hmm. for spirits, because the one thing that people, the reason why people drowned in there and why they don't want people swimming in there is because, you know, it's it's a man-made thing. They have drains, pumps and stuff that literally sucks the water. So if you're swimming in that water while those things are engaged, you can get trapped in the undercurrent and you will drown. Even if you're the best swimmer in the world, you're getting basically sucked in the water. Mm -hmm. And so there could be a lot of folklore to that too, that people are scared thinking, oh, it's cursed and stuff like that. And you also have the fact that a lot of people are... Uh, doing stuff there that they're not supposed to which we'll get into later mm -hmm. um but it is it's moving water so it, essentially that uh lake there i chalk it up to being a, a vortex you know you're gonna get lots of energy and you're gonna get a lot of spirits that come and go in that area and then when they go there they could potentially get trapped by negative stuff that are there and there's just a lot of stuff going on mm -hmm. in this area 
which is interesting because it's all surrounded by suburbs and you just have this one area that's just a hotbed for spiritual activity that people don't really know about. Yeah, exactly. So the second time that we went there was uh, for a joint investigation. Now, I forgot to include this on the last episode when we were talking about joint investigations. So we wanted to make sure we made mention of it on this particular episode. We invited Spirits R Us to come and do a joint investigation with us at Hobbs Hollow. Now, Spirits R Us is traditionally located in central Utah, down there by Santa Quinn and those areas. So, I mean, it, it's a good hour and a half drive for them just to get up to, to Layton anyway. But we invited them up. <clears throat> they unfortunately did not make it to dinner with us, so we ended up going checking out that little taste of Britain, which by far we definitely recommend it. Uh, but we showed up there. The water was super high. It was late spring, early summer. We weren't really getting too much activity. However, um, they ventured off. So here's the weird thing. So the first time we went there, we pretty much stayed in the more open area. We didn't really walk around the whole entire reservoir or go to the sides or anything like that. We went down to the easiest place to be. Yeah, we got a lot of our activity. Well, Spirits R Us went over to the south end of the reservoir. And there used to be a little pump house over there that had nefarious things written all over it and everything. Well, unfortunately, Danielle got attacked and attached, and she wasn't acting weird. So we're down, you know, by the water doing our own bed, and we look up, and we just see these guys, like, carrying Danielle literally to the car. And so we run up there trying to figure out what exactly is going on. Chris Bell had um, the Lord's Prayer in Latin playing at at that time. And we were all like, okay, what the hell just happened? And apparently she got attacked and attached and whatever. And then uh, I come to find out after when they left Hobbs, they went over to a friend's house that was there in Layton to help ratify this issue, which they did. They got about less than a mile down the road, got a frantic call from that said friend saying that shit just went south, come back. And they had to deal with that again. Um, And at that point in time, we were kind of like okay that was kind of weird you know whatever but now that we got to know diana and everybody else and everything it all made sense so which brings me into the third time we went there now there's people out there that love to do this type of shit and they love to just open up portals and dabble in the dark stuff and bring up demons and doing all this bullshit play with ouija boards which makes our job 10 times harder because then we have to clean up your mess. When we went to Hobbs Hollow the third time, there was definitely malicious entities hanging out there. It was very apparent versus the last couple times that we were there, which hasn't been uncommon with a few other locations as well. So when we talk about those locations, we'll go in depth about those. But overall, I mean, the night was great. I mean, we did have to deal with some malicious entities. We had to pass a a spirit over that was being uh, kept there. And we had some weird things happen as well, like my Melmeter with the REM functionality to it was going off with no bugs around the antenna, nothing like that. We were getting some weird feelings and everything like that. But the biggest thing that I wanted to touch on was there was a group of kids there that really shouldn't have been down there 
and they were doing something that we don't recommend anybody doing and they were opening up a portal now the day that we went to hops hollow we went on the sixth month on the sixth day and these kids were doing this on the sixth moment so six 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 they essentially they opened up a portal we heard them do it we walked by them as they were doing it we could tell that they were doing it we went got our equipment they've already went ahead and scattered we went right to the area where they were opening up that portal and we closed it now try to make me understand why anybody would want to do that i honestly don't you're not going to get me to understand it because i see the other side of it whenever portals open especially for malicious tent and that's what you're gonna get and so there really is no good reason to open up a portal at all and if you try to argue with me on opening up a portal is a good thing I'm gonna basically tell you you're a fucking dumbass to your face and then blast you all over the internet because you're, that's how dumb you are um, outside of that we closed it up and everything and we made sure all that was copacetic now Another interesting thing that happened that night, I didn't know that there was actually crawdads in that particular reservoir, and there was a literal shit ton of them that night. Anything oh, yeah. from like an inch to some big old monsters. And some horny toads. Very much so. And some tadpoles that were in the middle of transformation as well. That was also pretty cool. But yeah. All in all, Hobbs Hollow is a great location to investigate. Um, if you're ever in the Leighton area, definitely go check it out. The feeling is different from day versus at night. But oh, if yeah. you are going to go at night, just be aware that you could get a ticket for trespassing. Technically, you know, air quotations. We've been there three times. We've never been harassed. The cops have better things to do than, than to mess with us, to be honest with you. But that's Hobbs Hollow for us. Now, did you well, have anything else the, to Well, the worst thing in? about it is, is if the cops did come down and tell us to leave, obviously we'd leave. Um, but what's crazy about the third time we went is um, there was a lot more people there than there has been the past two times we went. So it was very interesting. Because, I mean, there was people there that were, you know, pretty late, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning. They were crawdad hunting. Like, they yeah. were in there getting the crawdads. And you had the kids, but then you had some people that were, a lot of people were fishing when we first showed up around 9 o'clock. People were fishing because mm -hmm. um, there might be fish in that lake. I mean, I, we saw some little ones, but I, I didn't see, I haven't seen any big ones. Mm -hmm. um, so it, there, there was a, a lot of people down there. Uh, it is near uh, a hiking path. There's a hiking trail literally all around it. So you'll see people mm -hmm. hiking. Um, the one thing that was really weird that happened was with those kids. Um, we're just sitting at the top of the hill basically uh, of the reservoir mm -hmm. and just hear one uh, a chick just blood curdling death screaming oh yeah like she just freaking screamed and we're just like looking at each other like uh do, do we do anything about, like should we do something about it it was weird because it is tough because that place does have you know animal warnings like there could be cougars in there you know there, there's definitely deer in there we saw deer we've seen deer twice since we've been there um so like I'm thinking this chick either got attacked by an animal, attacked by a person, or attacked by a spirit. You know, like that that was not just a scream for fun type of scream, you know. Yeah. It was it was very weird and yeah, just with, with the thing. I mean, 
what would have happened if we weren't there when those people opened that portal you know and then we went later then we would have had to dealt with that too so i mean Mm. it was kind of a good thing that we were there Mm. but yeah very interesting i mean i the three times that i've been there the funny part is the first time we were there obviously i was very new and young to this um I thought it was peaceful. I was like, oh, man, we got, we got a little bit of stuff, some good stuff. We talked to some nice spirits, and that was that. Then the second time, another team comes by. They get attacked. I'm like, what? That's crazy. How'd they get attacked? I didn't think there was anything bad here. Then third time, oh, yeah, there's some bad stuff here. Still nothing bad happened to me, but I was like, yeah, there's there's a lot of negative energy here. It's kind of crazy, you know? Yeah. So it, it's very interesting on the progression of going to the same place, uh, discovering new things every time we went there. And it almost sounds like a few other locations we've been to as well that's been like that. Every time we went down there, it's been darker and darker every time we go. Yep. But once we get to those those episodes, we'll talk about those as well. Now, the piece of equipment that I would like to talk about on this episode, which will correlate to what we were talking about earlier with Jay Prather, I approached him on purchasing his FX 2.0 direct link device, uh, IDC devices, if you're not familiar with them. I've seen it used on some of the nationwide TV shows, and I've also seen other people use them as well, and and it got me hooked. The biggest thing, the biggest difference with this device, it's kind of like a hybrid. It's like an SB7 and an SB11, but it's different. So... It has its banks. You can increase or decrease the volume. You can increase or decrease the speed. You have options to plug in a digital recorder or a speaker or earphones or anything like that. In fact, we did a test on this machine where I was running blind. So I had my eyes closed. I had my earbuds in and I had the thing playing and I was just sounding off the words that were coming off. And the one time that we used it as a test, we actually got quite a bit of correlating evidence to what David was asking versus what was coming through the device. Yeah, because Shane couldn't hear what I was, the questions mm-hmm. I was asking, yep. you know, and I would even say it loud and kind of look at him and I'd say the same thing twice just to see if he could hear what I was saying. I would even be like, Shane, 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 I would like say his name and he couldn't hear me. So I was mm-hmm. asking questions and then based on what he's hearing, he's just spitting out, you know, what he thinks he's hearing and what I'm asking and we got some pretty crazy stuff that was very correlating to what I was saying so that mm-hmm. that was by far we need to use that method more often I think yeah we definitely do I thought it was the kind of evidence that we got from that was a lot better than any of the evidence that we got prior you know I think so yeah because it's very tough because everyone's trying to listen to it and you're kind of hearing something and you're like maybe Maybe that's what that said. Yeah, I think I might have heard that too. Or I heard it say something, but I'm not sure. But if you have someone that they can definitely hear something because it's, you know, in their ears with the earbuds and just they're saying it out loud, everyone knows that's what he thinks he heard. So everyone can hear what he's saying. Yep. You know, so it, it's definitely, and there's no really bias or anything. So there's definitely a lot more room to get actual evidence from doing it that way. Yeah. And plus, we ran a digital recorder with it, too, just in case if I missed anything like that, which I did miss a couple things. But, I mean, we're, we're human. We make mistakes. Obviously, I'm not going to shout out every little thing that I hear. But then when I hear the question, then I hear the answer come through the box, but I didn't say anything. Then I'll mark that as evidence because it correlates to it, even though I didn't say anything, because... You know, when you're doing these types of things blind, you just kind of have to let it just do its thing and then try to get the word out as quick as you can. And sometimes, you know, I missed it. So 
that ended up happening. But overall, I thought we got better evidence doing it that way than the, the traditional method of doing it. But this piece of equipment is different. It's unique in its own little way because even though it is using radio frequencies and it is scanning and everything like that, it doesn't have a physical antenna on it. In fact, it uses you as an antenna. And the biggest thing that I noticed with this, you can't run it for very long. Uh, my limit has been about, about 10 minutes before I have to put it down. Because it's, it's so draining. Because it, essentially the, the equipment uses you as the antenna. So the spirit has to go through you, communicate through you, to communicate through this device. I know that sounds weird, but when you use yourself as an antenna, basically you're opening yourself up to the elements. And so when a spirit wants to come and communicate, when you're doing the session, you can feel it, you know? And that, I can't really explain it more in detail than that. You just, you can feel it if you know what it feels like to have a spirit right next to you. So it is mentally draining. And the fact that it doesn't use a physical antenna, it has to use you. So you're not getting radio... Um, like radio stations coming through this box at all and every time we've used this piece of equipment we've gotten evidence from it you know through online communication through uh, with the spirit and everything like that so I definitely recommend it um, last I checked which I did check his, his website prior to recording this episode he unfortunately does not sell that particular piece of equipment anymore however he does have an upgraded version of it so we will include a link to his website and the slew of other links uh, that we will be providing you guys as well. But do I recommend th this piece of equipment? Hell yes, 100%. In fact, if I had my choice to use an SB7, SB11, or the FX, I'd use the FX all day long. It's a great piece of equipment. Build quality is top-notch. And really, we haven't had any false positives with that piece of equipment, to be honest with you. It's been pretty consistent. There's been a couple times which I haven't been able to, to figure out, and neither has Jay. But there's been a few times where we'd be in a location like the Jackson House, for example, uh, from the previous episode, um, where it would do like these little screeching things. Do you remember that, David? Yeah, where it make these was, screeching sounds. Yeah, it was kind of weird because I've never heard that before. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we've heard it again. Yeah, and I reached out to Jay about that, and he couldn't come to a conclusion on that either. And it's only happened, like, very rarely. And, you know, I buy a shit ton of batteries, and I make sure all my equipment has fresh batteries when we go on investigations and everything. So I even changed the battery out of that, even though I was, it was new, if I remember correctly, and it was still doing the same thing. So I don't know if it was just a buildup of too much energy and the device just couldn't function like it was supposed to or anything like that. But nonetheless, that was the only really weird thing that happened with that device. Outside of that, it's been a stellar piece of equipment. Uh, David's actually used it a couple of times. What were your thoughts on it, David? Yeah, I, I like it. Um... It can drain you for sure when you use it, um, but I don't. I don't, I've never felt like um, unsafe using it, you know, because that's one of the things people are probably worried about. With, like, oh, the spirit's using you, um, so it's you know using your body, and it it's not quite the same. 
as like you know when people say they use a Ouija board and you know they're ma manipulating you to move it it's not kind of like that it's just your body that's grounding out is what it's kind of using it's not going through uh, a rate a frequency of the radio to interact it's more using um, the fact that your energy is connected to the device so I mean it can be dangerous if you overuse it and your defenses are down because you've used up too much energy using the device so it can be dangerous but a, a spirit's not actually entering your body in order to speak through the device that's that's the difference between the device so it's not dangerous but it could be if overused agreed now a lot of malicious or demonic entities they don't want to talk so the fact that you're opening yourself up to the spirits you know they could come and attack you if need be but really, though, it's the other spirits that are going to be coming up and communicating with you. And like David said, it's not like using a Ouija board or anything like that. Which, that's another thing that really irritates me is when people say that using the Ouija board is the same thing as using any other piece of equipment. No, it is not. If, you're, if that's the type of mindset that you have, you shouldn't be in the paranormal field because it's completely different. And I disagree with those people a thousand percent. And the FX 2.0 is a just a uh, an example of a, an equipment that has to use your body to communicate with with spirits, and I really think that really brings a connection between you and that spirit, whoever is talking. Now, sometimes they just don't even want to talk at all, but you can listen in on their conversation. Like there was that one residential where it sounded like there was three people having a conversation right there in front of us. But they weren't communicating with us, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that's the same one we did the blind test on. Mm, no, it was a different one. It was the Brigham City one, where it sounded like they were just having a conversation amongst themselves. Because hmm. I've, 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 we've heard that before a few times. I know for sure when it seems like uh, the spirits are just kind of like talking themselves. Mm -hmm. um, like they, one spirit noticed we were there. And then the other spirit comes in and it talks like, oh, those people over there, like it was pointing us out to that spirit. You know, like they, they could tell that we were able to listen to them and hear mm -hmm. them. And it was very interesting, their reactions that they were just like communicating with themselves and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some of the things that we've experienced with that piece of equipment. So I definitely recommend getting that piece of equipment. It is. Uh, well, at least get the upgraded version anyway. The the version that I have and the original FX is no longer available. But definitely invest in the upgraded version. It is definitely worth the coin. Best piece of equipment that we've purchased so far for communication with spirits and everything like that. But that's going to do it for our episode. We thank you so much for tuning in on your busy Monday to listen to this episode. And we hope you found this episode very entertaining and informational on all the stuff that we provided like i said before we'll post up a list of all the websites where you can go buy paranormal equipment either from the top names to the grassroots people and anything in between but we thank you so much for tuning in to us and you have a great rest of your day goodbye you are listening to the bear river paranormal podcast brp podcast if you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting, please send us an email, text, or call. You can find all of our information at www.bearriverparanormal.com.
bearriverparanormal.com. We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at BRP Podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring us, or if you like your products featured on the show, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your day.